Hey, I'm Ryan. Now, welcome to Bible on the Beach. Our focus is always disciples making disciples and churches planting churches. You're probably wondering what I'm not doing uh, on the sand today at the beach, and it's because I was on my way to the beach on my e-bike, and my brakes completely went out. So I had to put my bike at the bike shop. For those of you who are familiar with San Clemente, I'm actually right where the five drops you off the Palos out of for my bike to get prepared. I wanted to make sure I had a chance for us to get into uh, God's Word today. So I'm really excited. We're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 13, verse 13. Now every time we come to God's Word, uh, which we believe is His mouth where He speaks to us, we want to pray that God will give us the eyes to see what He wants us to see, the ears to hear what He wants us to hear, and the heart to feel how He wants us to feel today so that we can be His hands and feet everywhere we go in the world because we want to see as many people become a part of God's family as possible in every space and in every place uh, where we find ourselves. So in that spirit, let's get right into it today. Acts chapter 13, verse 13 says that Paul and his companions sailed from Cyprus, uh, the port of Paphos to Perga in southern Turkey. So they're on there. They continue their journey, just like God had them on a journey. He has us on a journey. Now John left them there and returned to Jerusalem as they journeyed on to the city of Antioch. Now, on the Sabbath, they went into the synagogue and took their seats, so they go to meet the people where they are. You know, God always tries to meet people where they are, both, both you uh, and myself. This is the strategy of God. He always goes to where the people are. He doesn't wait for the people to come to him. They're very simple things you can understand in Scripture if you just have the, the, uh, a set of fresh eyes to look at. So they're going where the people are. After the reading of the scrolls, the book of Moses and the prophets, the leader of the meeting sent Paul and Barnabas a message saying, Brothers, do we have a word of encouragement to share with us? If so, please feel free to give it. So it was their tradition to take portions of the Old Testament to read it, to reflect on it, and to talk about it. So Paul, of course, takes this opportunity to then share what was in his heart. Paul stood up in motion that he had something to say, and he said, listen, all of you Jews and non-Jews who worship God, the God of Israel divinely chose us to be his people while they were enslaved in Egypt. And so what Paul's going to do here is he's going to build some commonality. He's going to draw upon all of their understandings of the Old Testament. He's going to give a little bit of a review here. I'm just going to read it to you. And then he's going to use this foundation of their of the things that they have in common to talk about the Lord. That's what smart, wise people do. They build a foundation of commonality, and then they use that as an opportunity to share what God is doing in their life. This is exactly what Paul does. He says, for nearly 40 years, he nourished them in the wilderness. Everybody that was there would have understood that he was talking about this at the time that they had spent um, wandering around in Egypt in the wilderness. He was the one who destroyed the seven nations inhabiting Canaan, afterward gave the land to his people as inheritance. This took about 450 years. Now, in one paragraph, Paul covers 450 years of, his, of, of history for God's people. He says, then God raised up deliverers from the people until the time of the prophet Samuel. So he raised up kings. The people craved for a king. God gave them one from the tribe of Benjamin, Saul, the son of Kish, who ruled for 40 years after removing him. God raised up David to be king. For God said to him, I have found a man in David, son of Jesse, a man whose heart always pursues my heart and will accomplish all that I destined him to do. So David is always is viewed as sort of the apex leader of the Old Testament because he he had the looks and he had the uh, pedigree and etc. But David had the heart that God 
was after. Let me ask you a question. Do you have the heart that God is after? God is after our heart to be aligned with his heart. The quickest way to get into God's will is to say, God, what's on your heart? Show me what's on your heart so that I can align my heart with your heart. That's the heart of following Jesus. Now, from David's lineage, God brought forth a Savior, just as he promised. Now, pick it up in verse 24. So, before Jesus appeared, John preached the the message of baptism of repentance. John was about to finish his mission, and he said repeatedly, if you think I'm the one to come, you're mistaken. He will come after me. I don't even deserve to stoop down and untie his sandals. So, if anyone who's read the Gospel of John, this is John's account of his own life. He sort of writes his version of of, uh, what happens, and he's, of course, chronicling the life of John the Baptist. John the Baptist, of course, says, look, I'm not the person that you're supposed to follow. And so what they would tend to do is because they had so many heroes in the Old Testament, they were looking for heroes today. And John the Baptist, of course, was a hero, and they always get heroes confused. Don't get heroes confused with saviors. We make that mistake today. Heroes are not saviors. Only one savior, Jesus He says, fellow Jews, Abraham's descendants, and those among you who worship and reverence God. The message of life has been sent for all of us to hear, but the people of Jerusalem and their leaders didn't realize who it was, nor did they understand the prophecies written of him. Yet they fulfilled those very prophecies, which they read week after week in their meetings by condemning him to death, even though they could have no legal grounds for the death sentence. They pleaded with Pilate to have him executed, and they did to him all that was prophesied that they would do. So now... Paul is sort of revisiting this idea that God's people missed God's Savior. Say that again. God's people missed God's Savior. There are a lot of people that still do this today. A lot of people in church are missing the Lord. A lot of people who say they know the Lord are missing the Lord. Very subtle. You see Our thoughts, our ways are not God's thoughts and God's ways. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in our traditions and our experiences and we miss what God is altogether doing uh, in our life. He says, they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. And for many days afterward, he appeared on numerous occasions to his disciples who knew him well and had followed him from Galilee to Jerusalem. These disciples were his true witnesses, telling the people about the truth about him. So a disciple is simply somebody who's learned to follow Jesus and then teaches somebody else to do the same. That's it. That's why Bible on the Beach, our focus is disciples making disciples. Everyone who knows God can teach someone else about God. And then you gather those group of people, a group of people that are following God as a church. And so someone who teaches somebody else how to know and follow God develops a group. That group becomes a church. It's very, very simple. We have hyper-professionalized church. We have hyper-professionalized the clergy. And if you go back into the New Testament, this is not how it was. It was one sinner telling another sinner about a Savior. It was one person telling another person about the person of Jesus. It's very simple, very organic. He says, so we're here to share with you some wonderful news. The promise God made to our forefathers has now been fulfilled Uh, To us, their children, for God raised Jesus from the dead, as it says in Psalms, today I reveal you as my son, and and I as your father. God had promised not to let him decay in the tomb or face destruction again, so God raised him from the dead. He gave his promise in the Psalms, I will give to you what I gave to David, faithful mercies that you can trust. He explains it further in another Psalm, you will not allow your Holy One to experience bodily decay. This cannot be a reference to God, 
For he has passionately served God's purpose for his generation. He died, he was buried from his ancestors, and his body experienced decay. But the one whom God raised from the dead has never experienced corruption in any form. Then Paul makes his point here. He says, listen, friends. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is offered to you. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is offered to us. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is offered to all people. Everyone who believes in him is set free from sin and guilt, something the law of Moses had no power to do. So be very careful that when the prophets warned uh, that this doesn't happen to you, this is a warning to us. It's Jesus that saves us. It's Jesus that forgives us. The Old Testament says, Be amazed, you scoffers, for in the day I will do something so great that when I perform mighty deeds among you, you won't even believe that it was I who did it. You see, God is capable of doing what we believe is incapable. God is able to do in and through us what we could never ask or imagine. So Paul and Barnabas started to leave. The people pleaded with them to share more about these things. You see, when God's really hand is, hand is really on you, people want to hear more of what you have to say, not less of what you have to say. Now, the following week, nearly everyone in the city gathered to hear the word of God. The leaders saw the size of the crowds. They were jealous. Jealousy filled their hearts, and they rose up to oppose what Paul was teaching. So here's the deal. When God's hand is on you, and then there's a lot of fruit, there will always be jealousy. There will always be slander there will always be persecution. It's just kind of the cost of following Jesus, making disciples, and planting churches. This always happens, so relax. If you're getting slandered, relax. If you're getting persecuted, relax. If you're having people come up against you, relax. This is how it's always been. Relax, calm down, you don't respond, you pray, you stay focused on the task at hand. This is what God's telling us to do. So Paul and Barnabas, they didn't back down. This is a test. It's always a test when you get criticized and slandered and you have opposition. It's always a test. They passed it. Paul and Barnabas, verse 46, they did not back down. They were filled with courage. They boldly replied, in fact, I want to pray for you right now. God, give everyone listening to this the courage and the boldness to keep doing what you've asked them to do. In Jesus' name, and never to back down. No, not never, in the name of Jesus. <clears throat> he says, but seeing this message, uh, they refuse to embrace eternal life. We will focus instead on the nations and offer it to them. <laughs> you see, sometimes people who reject God, they don't want to follow God. That's fine. Just keep going. Just keep going. Jesus said you're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other ends of the earth. When you're opposed, when you're criticized, when you're slandered, no problem. Keep going. Keep going. God will go with you as you follow him. And they said, here's the deal. We're going to keep going. In fact, we're going to go to all the nations. We're going to go to all the nations. It's one of the commitments I've made. We're going to make disciples and plant churches in every country that will have us. We're going to say yes to God ahead of time. And we're going to take the Great Commission literally, and we're going to go for it. God's going to help us. He says, when they're not, he says I've destined you to become a beacon light for the nations and to release salvation to the ends of the earth. This is God's plan for you, and it's God's plan for me if you'll accept it. It's not how big you are, it's how big God is. Our faith is in him, 100%. He says, when the non-Jewish people in the crowd heard these words, they were thrilled and they honored the word of the Lord. All who believe were destined to experience eternal life received the message. God's word spread like wildfire throughout the region. Nothing can stop the genuine work of God. The genuine work of God will always produce the rapid multiplication of indigenous, locally-led churches in every space and every place. You cannot stop what God wants to do in us and through us. When we're yielded to him, 
The Jewish leaders stirred up a violent mob against Paul and Barnabas, including many prominent and wealthy people of the city. They persecuted them. They ran them out of town. <laughs> You'll have people try to run you out of town. It's okay. The people can do that, but God will still be for you. As they left, they shook off the dust of their feet as a sign of protest against them, and they went on to the city of Iconium. They left the new converts in Antioch, overflowing with the joy of the Holy Spirit. New people who come to the Lord are always filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot in here. I love to teach this to you. I hope you get something out of it every single day. You know, if God is teaching you and blessing you through Bible on the Beach, would you do me a favor and just text or tell someone and they can join along and they can have God encourage them and speak to them every single day through Bible on the Beach. Thank you so much for watching. Until next time, have an awesome day.